I'm sure now, Al, you've probably done about a million press junkets at this point in your career, right? I mean, uh, or close to it. But was the very first interview you ever did for the preseason 2014 in the huddle uh, football show? I don't know. I mean, you were you I definitely had you on. Or, or certainly early on. I don't know who's the first, <laughs> but it's definitely up there. Yeah, well, you're, you're an old pro at this now, man. Yeah. yeah. was like, you know, there's this really good uh, offensive lineman that we can have. And I was like, oh, lineman. Usually they score well on our Q scores uh, on our show. So, okay, well, we'll see what we got here. And then yeah. little did we know. Hey, I'll, you know what? We're, we're just going to roll from that point because we, I didn't know you are going to lead into the question. But, Ali, it's, it's been – a heck of a ride. Um, all right, do you have Tom Brady's personal cell phone number yet? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> Never had to use it. <laughs> so I mean, he's at the facility 24 seven. Now he's he's he's, uh, he's at the facility all the time. I mean, dude, freaking grinds. So um, we're 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 in a good spot in a short amount of time. I mean, especially with COVID kind of being funky and um, making it hard to do your normal stuff outside the building. It's definitely been, uh, you know, uh, nice having everyone around and figuring it out as we can. I was just in Tampa uh, for the NFL flag uh, bowl that they do the championships, but they call flag bowl now. And just to see the support in the city is unbelievable. You can feel that support like I've never seen before in cities. Now, be great. Grant, it's the host city. So, hey, we're happy to have the Super Bowl, but hey, go Bucks! It's a very unusual feeling. What are you feeling there? I know you don't get to go out too much because of COVID and everything, but I'm sure you're hearing a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly I'm able to just kind of drive around, right? So I see all this stuff up, which is really, really great. And then also, it's kind of funny. You see, like, um, you know, someone walking the dog or just kind of walking around and they got like, you know, the Bucks gear from like 2002 or whatever it is, just whatever, you know, uh, everyone's rocking whatever Bucks gear they have, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, especially having, you know, been there from the early on days. I mean, I remember the very first preseason game, you know, sitting behind your dad and your sister and the whole, you know, whole Marpet crew in the, in the stands. It's, it's been, it's been kind of an interesting you know, run, man. I mean, did you ever in a million, I think there was, you got interviewed by the New York post and it kind of put it really well. Like so many things sort of had to fall into place to, to make, you know, the Super Bowl run possible. Is it, are you still kind of like pinching yourself? Like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it is exactly that. It's just like, again, a lot of things had to happen and like, I feel very, again, it's just, I think because of that makes it all the more special. Right. I mean, Obviously, the Super Bowl is special, but like, it's just it's just such a unique uh, way to get here. Kind of, I mean, not that long ago, I probably uh, wouldn't even dreamt of this. So this is this is this is really exciting and a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you're a trailblazer right now because uh, you know the Ben Barches of the world, and now you go Quinn Miners of the world are all looking to you, kind of as the leader of hey d3 especially on the line can work uh, and why do you think there is this resurgence of desire for division three linemen especially it used to be the specialist Pierre garcones of the world uh even london fletcher is a little bit of a specialist per se but uh from back when but look at you in the, this offensive line drive going on now what what do you think is causing it is it like the old kicker mentality if you can 
kick in D3, you can, you know, block in uh, D1, D2, D3, doesn't matter necessarily. And do you think it's going to give more guys opportunities? Yeah, I, th- I mean, yeah, so I, I, I don't know definitively. I mean, you got to have the guys that just fit the measurables, right, to make it to the next level. But I would say, if I had to guess, um, I think that, you know, NFL sort of decision makers and GMs like we and recently really love, you know, that the nasty offensive lineman, right? The guy that grinds it out. And I think that uh, at least at the D3 level, I mean, you got to love to play the game. You got to be, I mean, it's just, I, I think those things sort of pair well and translate well to success in the NFL. Um so that that could be it, um, but but it's definitely a cool thing to see, and definitely cool to watch Barch and Gono and Quinn just do their thing. That's right, Gono, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, I got to see uh, got to see Gono on the field there in Atlanta with your dad a few weeks back, and yeah. I was happy to hear that he got his vaccine. So that's that's positive news there. I know your family's t- taken you know COVID very seriously uh, this year, uh, especially you know, being in the NFL situation. Can you are you sort of surprised now that we're literally a few days away from the Super Bowl that, that the NFL pulled it off? I mean, there were so many naysayers at you know the beginning of the summer that were like, there's no way we should do this. There's no like no, and obviously it impacted D3 and they didn't have any games and all that. But you know, so kind of going through the whole process, are you like, you know, well, well, that wasn't that bad. It was actually was really hard. Well, how do you feel about that kind of experiencing COVID from an NFL perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, early on before the season started, I thought there was like no chance that we'd be able to no do it, but like on time, right? So I thought like without a doubt the Super Bowl was going to be pushed back at least like a couple weeks to a month. I mean, like just something. Yeah, the true. fact that we the fact that we got here is unbelievable, and really, I think it is like, um, you know, at least I can speak to our locker room. The, the sort of sacrifices the guys have made, right? I mean, like. They're really committed to this. It, it like it was hard at times, like not seeing family. I mean, doing it if you are going to see family, you got to be masked up in the back. You, know, you have to have the right circumstances to make it work. And like, um, it's been uh, a grind, and it's been there's been sacrifices. And obviously, we've got it very good, but um, but it kind of makes it feels like it's all worth it right now. You know me; I'm always going to go a different angle in life. So, win or lose after Sunday Super Bowl. What's the first thing you're going to do? What do you want to do that you haven't been able to do for the last X number of months because of NFL under COVID and COVID itself? What do you want to do? Come on, tell us some of the yeah, things that's, that you, so you that's want. The tough part. Vacation, like, I, I so want to go out, go out to restaurants and stuff like that. But then at the same time, there's the guilt associated with it. Obviously, and James, you know, obviously hanging out with my dad, I can't be doing that. Um, yeah. But like, you know, it's just it's just that kind of stuff where like. I would love to get on a plane and hop over to, you know, we're in Mexico right after the season, but I just don't think that that's still the smartest thing for me to do right now, <laughs> which kind yeah, of sucks. Well, I know you got it. I know you got a nice, uh, nice setup there. You got your, you got your puppy and, uh, and you also have another, uh, another kind of big family thing you know, looking big picture. How does it feel to be an uncle Allie? You know, you got little oh, baby Frankie yeah. there and what, what's that like? I saw she got to see you guys uh, win a game this season with the big uh, headphones yeah. on. Taylor and Blaze are—they're looking like they're just—they're loving this little baby, and they're—they're they're such great parents so far. What's it like to be an uncle? Oh, it's—I it's, mean, it's great. And obviously, I got her all the Bucks gear that she yeah was available <laughs> for an infant, which was super cool. Um, but no, it's been great, and I've actually have been able to see them uh, again. We—it's uh, just 
uh, everyone gets COVID tested. You do it outside, wear masks yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's it's just like it's being an uncle in COVID. But again, it's so so much yeah. fun. It's so much fun to be able to share that experience with them down here and be able to share this whole thing with my family. I think that's what kind of makes all this really nice. This 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 chaotic a uh, couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks, I think it's been so nice just to be able to share with everyone that I'm, you know, really close with. Yeah. So I got to put you on the hook uh, and one last thing here before we let you go. And we really appreciate your time here. You're like I said, you're uh, the warmest cold open we've ever had on our show. <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, listen, you know, the Hobart folks are all wondering when you're going to make an appearance uh, back at the old homestead uh, up in Geneva. <laughs> uh, you know, as a uni college guy, I, I have to ask the question, when are you going to uh, go next to see them and you know, help them raise millions of dollars <laughs> that you know they can put into the Ali Marpet football facility uh, down the line? It's <laughs> a great question. Uh, so I was planning on going this past summer. I mean, it had been a five-year reunion uh, for me. Uh, so that was a bummer that I had to miss that. Um, so, I mean, I would think as soon, as soon as things start to like, you know, happen where I can, where everyone feels comfortable making it, making it work. I'd love to be out there. And obviously I love supporting and, and sort of representing uh, Hobart, D, Liberty League, D3, all that. I mean, it, so as soon as I can get my, up there. My favorite, my favorite thing is, you know, I've been talking with coach DeWall and, and, and Craig was, that, you know, Ali sometimes sponsors like the, the big, the big dog. Now he gets a bunch of pizzas for the O-line and, and, <laughs> You, know, you can't beat upstate New York pizza and wings no. and you know cams and all that. So it's, miss it down here uh, yeah. when I'm in Florida. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. Ali, good luck uh, yeah. this weekend. Win or lose, I mean, man, this, this is rarefied air that you're in right now. No matter so what happy happens. for you, man. This is really exciting. And yeah. uh, listen, uh, from here we're going to go downhill on this show. So let me just say, <laughs> you're watching season 13 up in the huddle. Okay, so when I said it's downhill from there, I didn't really mean it because actually the downhill part's just when we do our part for the show, folks. But yeah. uh, we've got some great guests coming up, a great show overall. But I mean, to start it with Ali Marpat, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of what we're going through with football right now, JB, uh, you have been really close with him and his family. Obviously, uh, we could tell for a number of years now, your Hobart link and everything else. Mm -hmm. How does it feel to see what's going on with Ali and this Super Bowl experience right now? It's it's surreal because, um, I mean, I remember uh, his senior year uh, being in Geneva uh, and being one of the primary, you know, I actually did like a little speech at the football banquet and he had just gotten back from trying out with, I think, the Jets and the Giants. And so people, in the room knew that the NFL was a possibility, but if you told any of us on that night that he would be playing in the Super Bowl six years from you know, playing Division Three football with Tom Brady, no less, I mean, 
Well, you wouldn't give up the uh, personal cell phone number. Yeah, we, we tried. No, no, uh, no. But, you know, <laughs> we would just say hi to Tom. Hi, how's Giselle yeah. doing? Hey, yeah. um, we, we couldn't get that to happen. But we really do appreciate his time. Yeah. And we will uh, try to get him uh, some of these uh, In the Huddle uh, polo shirts that uh, we are fashioning here a little bit. And um, I think you would like the red one. He yeah, might, actually. The yeah. Maybe white also, just yeah. to, for the you know visiting colors or something That's like true. that. That's true. They're going to be wearing white on uh, on Sunday. We'll see how it works for them. So you know, last year or a couple of years ago, I was waving lots of sheets of paper around. Uh, I recall that. Yes. Uh, we were just in your kitchen, like we are right now, or the, the dining table, the kitchen. Yep. Uh, we wanted to talk about that back then. A whole bunch of topics in the off season and this and that. Well, we don't really have an off season to talk about much of one, at least. We have. Well, a new we have to talk, yeah, is a schedule of games that are going to get played. Yeah. We think we in think. the spring. We hope. <laughs> so let's let's run down what's going to happen this show. Uh, we're going to go through spring football. Uh, we're going to talk about the pluses, the minuses, and a little bit of host chat here. Then we're going to go through the 14 weeks of spring football yeah. that it's uh, become. 13 conferences. Uh, 12 of which have put out schedules. Uh, we'll talk about the one that has it, and then some other wild cards that are coming along. To discuss the wild cards later in the show, Kevin Gilmartin from Salve Regina, head coach, will be mm -hmm. joining us. But before that, we're going to have two really fun guests on the show. And, uh, you know, first, it's, uh, you know, something not in the East Region. We, we had to go outside the East Region a little bit because of uh, the East Region's problems. Yeah, good point. <laughs> the East Region isn't necessarily playing the same level no, of, uh, or barely, number of games. Not even barely, yeah. Todd Gibson, though, uh, from our good friends at Grove City College, uh, he is one of our good friends there, uh, the athletic director, tells us what it's taking to get their spring football season together and the pack, for that matter, President's Athletic Conference and what it could mean for the East Region Conferences or why it's not materializing per se. Then uh, I, I want to get it right, Quasi Adu uh, from Utica is joining us to talk about their season which starts up in basically uh, mid-late March there. Uh, yeah, about 49, 50 days from yep. now, yeah. And so they're going to be playing Monday and Tuesday afternoon and night games uh, in the Empire 8 just the four teams that are playing. It's going to be Alfred at Utica to open up that schedule at that point. I want to talk to a player that's going to play about what their expectations are coming into the spring season. And, uh, you know, Kevin Gilmartin, we talked about him a bit ago, just a coach's perspective on what this spring could be useful for ultimately. So let's actually turn to that ourselves for a moment. JB, we haven't been hearing what I would say is a huge amount of rah rah sis boom ba about the spring season from players coaches social media stuff that we've seen mm -hmm. it's exciting on one hand but i think there are a lot of question marks and shrugging going on right now about is it going to be a consistent package of football is every school approaching it the same way what are you hearing what are you thinking about that well i mean i think that at least for the i don't know I would guess about 70 to however many schools are actually going to attempt to do it. Um, there's a little bit of optimism. There's a little bit of trepidation. There's going to probably be a little bit of, you know, cross your fingers and hope we don't have to reschedule or cancel or you know, whatever. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting either way. And I think that because of the uncertainty and also I think this the national fatigue that we have around COVID. Um, that everyone's kind of like, eh, we'll 
we're happy to be playing, but let's just wait and see. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, maybe it's different for the folks, um, you know, down in, in Texas and the kind of the central, uh, you know, south, uh, like the American Southwest Conference, when their their games are literally happening starting this weekend. Uh, might have a different feel um, down there in in Texas and, and Mississippi. But yeah, I think for the rest of the country, they're they're optimistic, they're hopeful, they're trying to find a way to play and provide these opportunities, these very rare opportunities for these student athletes to you know get in some games before their careers end. I mean, Ali Marpet's you know diamond in the rough. There's not going to be. I mean, maybe uh, you know Quinn from uh, Whitewater, Quinn Miners, yeah, yeah, might might you know keep the D3 offensive lineman record going here, but. You know, for the most part, these kids are, are done after they graduate, and, and we'll, we actually talk about that with Coach Gil Martin about certain guys who had to you know say, like, hey, i got to take this job, Coach. I've been in college for four years. And our own this. advice uh, concerning yeah. that coming up later yeah. in the show. So uh, you'll uh, want to stay tuned for that. Um, we talked about the challenges that spring football would bring uh, probably back in July when things started falling apart for fall football and whether or not spring football would be a wise thing for a number of reasons. So, you know, let's kind of go back through some of those things and see what's changed since then. Facilities, for instance, uh, lack of fields, lack of uh, ability to, you know, house all the sports that you would need to in the spring. If you're going to do soccer yep. and football and lacrosse and baseball, baseball softball, softball, track. Yeah, track as well, good mm -hmm. point. Uh, and any other than uh, niche sports that we haven't listed that do play in the spring. Yep. Uh, some schools have stood up and said, hey, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it with a little bit of a uh, flair that you wouldn't expect. Friday night games, Monday afternoon night games, yeah. Tuesday afternoon night games. Why not? <laughs> uh, we're, we're seeing that coming down. And yeah. uh, again, we're going to hear more about some of the reasoning for the, uh, some of the scheduling uh, coming up from both an AD and a coach. Uh, that are involved in that, that uh, type of situation. Actually, from a player, uh, we talked to their coach. We'll uh, be talking about that inside that interview as well. That's Blaze Faggiano is the uh, coach we talked to uh, off the record, uh, mm -hmm. per se, with some stuff that we can still talk about. We're sharing uh, some family you know, recipes and what he was going to be making for dinner as well. I sure hope the pork chops are good tonight, <laughs> yeah. Coach, by the way. Thank you. And also the Utica Greens. I, I am serious about that when I come see you guys for that 4 o'clock game on that Tuesday afternoon coming up yeah, soon yeah. Uh, over at Utica. But, you know, just the testing question. It's still an open question, JB, about mm -hmm. how much testing, what it means, what to do if you get a positive test. Is the whole team going to be shelved? What are you going to do about it? Yep. Uh, Coach Fagiano was telling us about some ideas uh, for their team. They're going to be splitting crew, basically, so that if, you know, God forbid, somebody gets it and there's a possible community spread inside their team, it won't be the entire team getting knocked out necessarily. Right. Uh, Ty Gibson talked about having a testing lab brought into the on campus. campus yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Again, more on that in a second. But it's a huge open question, and I haven't heard a consistent answer in the schools that, we're, that are playing what they're doing exactly to satisfy any guidelines or concerns. Yeah, and I think the, you know, the ultimate lack of uniformity there could be uh, a, a challenge and, and cause some trouble throughout this potential 14-week D3 season. However, um, I think based on what we've seen with the NFL, with some major college football, the you know kind of the regular you know, testing schedule seems to work. 
um, schools that are willing to put forth the the effort and the money ultimately to make it happen usually will seem to benefit from that and at least in the certain cases where uh, you do get positives it can be caught early on and the rest of the team can can be spared um, but there are going to be some kids who are going to test positive and we know that not all tests are correct from the get-go but you're going to have to you know, go with what the information has. Um, I think schools like Grove City, where they have a dedicated staff of nurses, I mean, not every school can do that, but no. that's a great approach, obviously. I think it's it, it's probably one of the better ones I've heard. It's probably not unlike the NFL, who obviously have their own like dedicated you know, medical staffs and so on. So, Well, again, we're going to see a lot of effort for games to be played. Uh, let's look at the schedule. That's how the, what's going to run the show, basically. We're going to go down the schedule, as we said, then talk about some of the asterisks that remain outside the schedule, and then uh, some of our own takes about what we have seen since our last show overall. Uh, so let's start on the weekend of February 6th. Actually, it is just February 6th as of right now, mm-hmm. and the two conferences that will start play are the American Southwest Conference and the Northwest Conference. Um, the NWC was a wild card here because we didn't really think we'd see many Northwest teams play. Yeah, uh, I mean, Linfield is pretty much out, uh, mm-hmm. and so yeah, and then the Skyac canceled down yep. in LA. So you know, the West Coast just seemed like a an unlikely place for spring football. Well, we got some teams playing: uh, Packloot and uh, Puget Sound and Whitworth, basically in their own modified round robin. So we're going to look at a game of the week, too, every time we do this, American Southwest Conference. I, I almost end up going to this game, but I know they're going to have a broadcast crew from Mary Harden-Baylor there. It's Mary Harden-Baylor at Bellhaven. And thanks to Bellhaven for at least uh, giving us some of the information we needed to make a decision if we can yeah. make it there or not. Uh, not this time, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully next time. Uh, if there is a next time of some sort to uh, come down because it sounds like a great time in Jackson, Mississippi to see some Division Three football, but that's yeah. where things start. Mary Harden-Baylor, the questions that will be answered are kind of, how do they fill some of the gaps as a national contender, especially at quarterback? Yeah. And here's a chance. you got basically four games, five games as Mary Harden-Baylor to test out somebody, unlike what you'd be able to do in a normal spring off season. Yeah, and I think it, it'll lead to you know, further discussions as we you know go down the road here about you know, is this really going to benefit these national title contenders even more so than, let's say, a Wisconsin Whitewater, who unfortunately doesn't get to compete uh, this spring? And, and even though they have Max Myler, their their quarterback is you know pretty solid. Although I'm sure there might be a, a Porman boy or, or or two that might want to try to give him a run for his money. Um, well, the fact that the you know the, the, that the Warhawks don't get to play, meanwhile the Crusaders do, that could make a difference come the fall. There are a lot of uh, situations where I think that starts to make a difference, even in our backyard with the Empire Eight. Yeah. I mean, you got Utica and Fisher playing, and Brockport not yeah. in the same conference. So, what does that mean? How does that affect that matchup of you know teams' strengths later on? Tough question to answer. I just don't know where we uh, get the answer from, but we're going to find out uh, the hard yeah. way on this one because yeah. it's going to happen, it looks like. Going to week two on February 13th, uh, Valentine's Day weekend. My and birthday is in That too, yep. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Howard Payne at Hardin-Simmons is our game of the week. And what you're going to see is a trend here in the first three weeks. American Southwest uh, Conference games are going to dominate here. Yeah, pretty much. The East region's got to wait till March, and uh, the same thing with some of the so- southern regions too. 
but uh, then also uh, the 20th of February, week three, we'll call this, Louisiana College at Mary Harden-Baylor. To me, aside from the championship game of the ASC that they're planning, which could yeah. be Mary Harden-Baylor, Harden-Simmons, because they're in yeah. different divisions. Well, that'd be good. Uh, Louisiana College is one of those teams that can show some level of strength every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see if that game plays. Uh, one of the asterisks that we've been hearing is that some colleges in the ASC are doing things differently with testing in a way that doesn't make everybody in the conference comfortable. Hopefully mm -hmm. they resolve that situation yeah. by the time it comes to these games so that we don't see games get canceled like that one. That's a game that I would love to go see myself personally. Yeah. On February at 20th. At the Cathedral. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a game you do want to see play. Also, though, the USAC, the USAC, is going to start their play, it looks like, yep. with a couple of games. Uh, they've been having some schedules going back and forth. And yep. yep. And so we think they're going to go forward, but we can't say 100%. So there's the first three weeks, and now we, things start to deviate a little bit on the yeah. schedule. Week four. February 26th and 27th, 26th being Friday Night Football in the ODAC, no less. Very ODACian of them to go a little bit off the beaten path here. But we're not going to name a game of the week there. Uh, we're going to say on the 27th, which is a Saturday, Rose Holman at Bluffton. One of our tri-champs from the fall, Bluffton, is going to play a team that actually, uh, before COVID, was beginning to show some signs of good life uh, yeah. out there, Rose Holman. And this can be a good challenge game. I, I think this is going to be something to watch to see. Yep. It was Bluffton for real in the little bit of uh, you know time we got to see them play football mm -hmm. last year uh, or last season per se. Yeah, the one game. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm curious to see what uh, comes of them. I mean, you've got some great ASC games in Week Four. Yep. Uh, the USAC games that are currently scheduled don't look bad, and the one Northwest Conference game, but. I mean, that's the end of the NWC play, I believe, at that point. I think so, yeah. Yep, uh, on February 27th. All right, I checked that. Uh, there is the Whitworth Puget Sound game coming up okay. on the 6th of March. Right. But, I mean, they're going to be first in, first out of yeah. this whole thing, Northwest yeah, Conference. At least they, they're getting some in. they got to give them credit for that. Amen. Uh, let's go to week five, uh, which is March 5th, March 6th, and that includes Bridgewater at... Randolph Macon uh, and That's Coach Clark game. from Bridgewater has, has stepped down and mm -hmm. re, uh, retired. And so we've got a new coaching, uh, new head coach and a little bit of coaching staff, I believe, as well uh, in at Bridgewater. And Randolph Macon, uh, you know, one of those teams that always seems to be in the conversation every year. Yep. So that Friday night game uh, seems to be one that I want to watch, uh, definitely. And uh, a lot of others out there would want to watch as well. Uh, then, you, again, you, with all the USAC, HCAC uh, joins uh, as well. Uh, we talked about that in the previous week, the Northwest Conference game. We're starting to get some meaty weeks or weekends of football yeah. suddenly. Yep. Just in time for St. Patty's Day. <laughs> well, the meatiest of uh, what happens, I would say, is week six. Yep. So March 12th, March 13th, we add the OAC and the PAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the uh, already kind of filled level of uh, games that we've had. The American Southwest Conference playoffs, or crossover games as yeah. we'll call them, where the di uh, divisional winners, the second place uh, teams, et cetera, yeah, face one, off. One, two, three, four, and yeah. Yeah, crossover. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big game there. But also Mount Union at Muskegon on the Friday night game, 
Yeah. Just to see what Mount Union's like under a new head coach. Yeah, that's true. It, the Karras uh, time is over. Yep. And so is the machine the same machine, or is it going to look a little different? We'll it, see. It's going to be interesting to uh, find out. But again, looking at the pack, our last game of note for that week. Case Western at Grove City. Yeah. There's a team 2019 that, playoff team yeah. against a two-time defending ECAC Bowl Championship team. That's a good game. One of the teams that they seem not to be able to get over the hump on sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a, a team that always gives them a tough time, Grove City. Yep. They're going to host them. And honestly, just to get to this point for Grove City, it, it took a lot. Yeah. I, I was talking to Ty Gibson during the offseason, uh, behind the scenes a little bit to see what was going on over there. He was always very free with information uh, off the record to me. And eventually I said, look, I think people need to know Grove City's story here, if how this is even happening, because it's pretty impressive when you think about yeah. what they're doing for testing and safety purposes on their campus right now. So here is our interview with Ty Gibson. Ty Gibson, Athletic Director, Grove City. Thank you for joining us here on In the Huddle. My, my pleasure. Great to be here. Todd, uh, you and I have been talking a lot uh, kind of offline about the situation with COVID and how it is affecting things at Grove City. Um, we weren't sure for a little while there football would be able to return. And then suddenly we saw at least a partial pack schedule uh, come out there, President's Athletic Conference schedule. So kind of take us through the road here since last year. I, most people know how it started, but how did we get here ultimately? Yeah, it's been um, uh, been an interesting been an interesting year for anyone involved in athletics, um, uh, whether college, professional, high school. Uh, I have kids playing youth sports. I mean, it's it's changed um, everything that that everyone everything that everyone knew about sports and how to operate and, and everything um, is different, and so. Um, I think last year, I mean, amazingly, about a year ago uh, at this point, you know, we pictured it being, you know, a few weeks shut down. And then then maybe if we were a little bit more pessimistic, maybe we have trouble with the spring sports. But but not once did we um, in those in those early stages, did we picture uh, that we wouldn't be playing uh, sports come uh, come August? You know, it just seemed like, well we would be, the numbers would be low enough that we would be comfortable enough playing and, and the testing would fall into place or whatever we needed to do. Um, and so the athletic directors in, in the president's athletic conference um, and Joe and Derko, our, our commissioner, um, very early on, probably probably two or three weeks into the shutdown, uh, we started having weekly meetings just talking about how the PAC could be a leader um, in getting back to uh, in getting back to actually uh, playing, and um, we started taking steps to to figure out what that would look like. And again, uh, working until uh, about the first week of August, under the assumption that we would be playing football uh, and soccer and, and volleyball and everything in the fall. And um, then the the timing of it was different all over the all over the country, but in Western Pennsylvania, at least, for most of the summer, that the curve had really flattened and the numbers were really. Um, I know the county that I live in, um, we were getting numbers where it was like 
12 or 13 cases a day and the numbers were really low and we were looking at it going we're going to be fine and then unfortunately the timing at the beginning of august numbers took a spike um, in the pittsburgh in the pittsburgh area western pennsylvania and uh, the cleveland ohio region with case being involved um, that was enough to sort of say we're going to pump the brakes and and look at what other options we um we, we have so um that's when we ended up essentially still meeting once a week but really starting to plan and see what we could do to to get winter sports happening first and then and then ultimately fall sports in the spring and, and then hope and, and most importantly to us was really giving a as as holistic an experience of this for the spring sport athletes because they missed most of their season or all of their season in some cases uh, last year Yeah, so Todd, one of the things that in looking at the, at the spring calendar is interesting. You guys are playing a couple of games in March and then taking what's what accounts about like a three or four week break and then playing some more games in April. Uh, in working with the other schools in the conference, was that was that kind of the plan from the get go? You guys wanted to to get something on the schedule, play some games, see how it went, then kind of regroup and 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 see, or is it basically because of the uh, the spring sports that that really deserve to have kind of be their first place in line for having been cut last uh, last year, really accommodate that and try to, you know, figure out football uh, around some of those other other sports. Well, I, I think the first uh, the first challenge for everybody thinking about playing football um, in the spring, especially if you're in the Northeast, is um, we're going to start football practice in a, in a couple of weeks here and it's going to be cold and it's going to be snowy. I mean, the, the forecasted temperatures at the end of next week um, around here are like 12 and 14 as highs on, on certain days. So we're not going to start practicing football until after that. But I think anybody that's, again, Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut, anywhere where there's division three football uh, in the Northeast, the weather um, was the first thing that everybody tried to take into account. So um, I know some of the, the more Southern conferences we're looking at starting in late February and playing games early March. So first we looked at that and, and tried to figure out um, second or third week of March seemed like a, a time that we could start. Um, we actually have made some adjustments uh, with our football schedule um, we're working through now where we actually think we're going to eat up some of the gap that we had in the middle. Um, we had a, we had a bye week worked in because of the Easter holiday. So no one was going to play that week. And then, um, based on the amount of teams that we were going to have, we divided into uh, essentially two divisions, a North and a South. And so it was five teams. So two five-team divisions, only four would play each weekend. So our schedule ended up initially, or just the way the bye week and then Easter fell, we had about a three-week period with no game. It was two games, then a, a long break, and then two more games. So um, for us, some of that will be um, – will be eaten up now, but uh, we did have the Easter holiday initially in as a as a break that week. Um, now there seems to be more uh, uh, preference to start playing games a week later, um, where hopefully you get the benefit of better weather and just playing um, either the Thursday before Good Friday uh, or the Saturday before Easter, depending on um, uh, no games on Good Friday, but, but just kind of um, going from there. And, and uh, the presidents on our conference, thankfully, um, 
very supportive of, of playing football. And, you know, football in Western Pennsylvania is a big deal. And it doesn't matter if it's Division Three or it's Pitt or Penn State or the Pittsburgh Steelers or, I mean, high school football is bigger than, than maybe all of them. And so uh, the idea of having spring Friday night football in Western Pennsylvania with the hope, now again, we, we don't know where we'll be. We have an idea where we'll be that it might draw more fans to it if we're able to have fans in, in crowds. So uh, playing all the games on Friday nights um, was something that presidents were very, uh, they were very interested in, in doing to just try to make football uh, have a spotlight on it, which it typically does on Saturday afternoons and, and Saturday nights in, in the, in the fall. So um, that's kind of what, in, what, what went into it, kind of a, an inexact science uh, to say the least, but um Everybody's trying to figure out the best way to, way forward. And um, as far as I'm concerned, any conference that's able to find a way to play sports, any sport, but but football, in, in this case, we're talking about, good for them. You know, if the kids get to play one game or 10 games, uh, I'm, I'm just really happy that they're going to have that experience. But to have that experience is taking a lot of resources and uh, a lot of cost in general. Uh, let's talk about two things in particular. First, testing. Uh, D3 schools uh, are mainly smaller schools. Rose City is one of those smaller schools indeed. Uh, what did you have to do to make testing happen? And is there a reason Friday night is being chosen instead of Saturday insofar as facility options? Is that really causing schools issues that you know of where they've got spring sports that are going to take using the same fields and locker rooms and other facilities? That football would be using in the spring is that do you think tamping down some schools desire to jump into the fray because we're probably about half the conferences right now having some level of football from what we can see and not many east region schools which you know is our specialty here on the show you're not the east region but you're uh, a good friend from our uh, years uh, you know uh, talking about grove city but you know we're friendly what to is the your east, insight yeah, yeah <laughs> amen there you go but uh, what is uh, what is your insight as to what is going on with respect to facilities in some of these schools? Yeah, if first with the, the testing question, um, the testing is uh, it's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge depending on where you. I, I think it's kind of three things. One, what your resource availability is, because tests are not cheap. You know, there are some. Uh, cheaper, like the Abbott testing and, and tests that are um, available now, which are um, more affordable if you can get them. But trying to procure those tests is is very challenging. Um, and they're they're an antigen test. Um, but for the most part, the testing options are um, not cheap and not that easy to to get when you're talking about uh, like the rapid antigen testing. Um, we also are doing PCR testing here, which um, those tests take a couple days to get back, so so that's a, a challenge when you're when you're in the athletic context, um, and they're about twice as much. They, they cost about twice as much per test as an antigen test does. So, um, I think the the resource availability is um, important. Both how much money you have the ability to spend on testing, number one, and number two, um, just can you get your hands on on the tests. Uh, that's a that's that's a big challenge, um, and and then the third thing that that I know we experience, which is which is a challenge and a challenge that that everybody 
is facing that no matter where they're, they're at, because every state has different legislations is or regulations. Um, just how are you, where are you doing the testing? Um, how, who is performing the testing? Um, and then what steps you have to take to become uh, permitted or certified to do the testing? Um, because that's a, that's a hoop. Um, the federal guidelines are different than the state guidelines. And there's a lot of, I know there's some law background with the, with you guys that I'm on the, on the call with, there's a lot of legalese in there and you're trying to, yeah, I half of, I won't say the, the good looking half or the bad looking half, but, uh, but, but, it, you know, at least, uh, at least, um, uh, there's, there's parts of it that you're trying to, to interpret. So, um, it's not as easy as even if you get your hands on the test that you can just run a test. There, there are lots of steps that you have to do. So I can speak for Grove City. We've built a testing lab in our athletic building. Um, we have a staff of nurses that we are bringing in to do, to do our testing. Um, we've gone through permitting. We, we can run PCR tests. We send out to an outside lab. We can run antigen tests on campus. Um, we are very blessed to have a president um, and a board of trustees at, at Grove City that supports athletics. And most importantly, it's not so much supporting athletics uh, and trying to win championships. That's, that's something we, we strive to do, but it's essentially giving the, the young people the experience. And that's, that's all we've been about the whole time. And we have had, thankfully, uh, people that are willing to support us um, in that mission. Um, that being said, there's also a lot of schools that don't have that support either. Like we're a, a medium size at the very least, um, division three school may be bigger than a lot of schools. So we have a strong alumni base and a lot of very uh, high achieving alumni that, 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 that can help support us. But, um, but not every place is in that, uh, doesn't have that support. So that's made it even more of a challenge for, um, uh, for them. As far as the, uh, as far as playing the games on Friday nights, we we looked at it as um, kind of two things in, in our conference. Um, the spring schedule we wanted to try to disrupt the spring schedule as least as we possibly could, because it was the one that was already set, and we probably had the best chance of playing a somewhat complete schedule. You know, at least when we were putting things together, thinking. Well, if the vaccinations go quicker and we get to March and April, we might be in a lot better shape then. Um, and I think time will tell as we get through the spring um, how that looks. So I, I think the facilities um, question, again, it would vary school by school. Uh, I would tell you that at Grove City, um, we have two outdoor turf surfaces and that's a huge help because we can spread out lacrosse and football and soccer and all of those practices. We have a good sized indoor um, facility but it's always filled um it's always filled with baseball tennis uh lacrosse track and field um until we get to so we didn't really have a lot of room to add football and soccer and and um any other fall sports that we were that we were moving um i think the facility question with games um and my phone's going off um I think the facility question with um, with games is um, it just kind of really varies place by you know place by place. For us, we were able to schedule soccer on Thursdays and Saturday afternoons around lacrosse games, um, and 
when we came up with the scheduling in our conference, other than football being Friday nights, um, all of our other sports essentially were operating this spring on a flex schedule, meaning soccer games are going to be played two times a week. They could be played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you could play Tuesday and Thursday. You could play Monday and Saturday, kind of working around your facility options. Same in, in some other sports as well. So that has helped us um, because there are some places that um, are really packed tight on, on facilities, especially for, for games. So uh, it's time for the better looking half of the duo to uh, give you the next question. Well, Todd, I mean, I guess, you know, as a as a football fan, I know that the uh, Wolverine home games are quite an event, um, you know, the, with the whiteouts and, and all that. I mean, maybe it's it'll be easier to do if there's a bunch of snow on the sidelines. But, <laughs> it, you know, given, um, you know, given certain, you know, precautions, regulations, that, you know, and at least it is an open air and you can certainly do things to to. Um, socially distance at a D3 game. In fact, some people might joke that most D3 football games are, are socially distant crowd-wise, but I've seen your stadium and it's never it's never empty. It is packed with students and you guys have a great uh, following and very strong um, fan support from the students, alumni, et cetera. So do you have a sense, you know, five or so weeks out from, from hosting uh, Case Western Reserve, what that's gonna be like, or is it gonna be just like everything has been in COVID you're going to have to kind of wait till the week of and sort of see where things are. Um, I mean, I imagine that with the you know, having to cross state lines, maybe with case that there's certain things that need to be handled beforehand. I mean, is it going to be a wait and see, or do you already sort of have some plans on, on what a game day experience will be like for uh, for Grove City? Yeah, well, our our we we plan on being as um, as fan friendly as we possibly can. Um, that being said. Uh, we're not going to do anything that could jeopardize the 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 health of the campus community, uh, not just the players, but but everybody everybody around, um, and uh, the, the the community. You know, our stadium is right in our town, right in our community, so we have to be very aware of of those factors. And also, uh, there are state uh, state regulations that um, really do limit how many people you can have in a stadium. And you have to include what takes a big chunk of the numbers is you have to include um, the players and the coaches and the officials and the press box personnel, all of those people into um, into your counting. And so that takes uh, several hundred people um, off of your potential fan list right at the beginning. So um, our hope is to have as many people that we can safely have um, into our games. Uh, we, we, we start hosting basketball games this week. Wednesday night will be our first, um, home basketball game. And, uh, our hope is to have limited attendance, indoor attendance there. But even there, I mean, we're, we're very, uh, we're very limited on with state regulations and, and, um, it's a, it's a PAC rule, um, this spring, and this could be revisited by the time we get to football, but with our winter sports going on right now, that, the only people that are allowed to attend if a school chooses to to allow them are essentially students from on those campuses, figuring that those students are in that bubble. Everybody has different testing and, and different protocols there. Um, the toughest part is uh, honestly not allowing parents and families into games because I, like I know, speaking from my own experience, 
I could never really get going ready to play a game until I looked up and saw where my parents were sitting at a certain part of the stands pregame. And, and it was sort of like, I'll never, the last game I played, something happened and my parents were late to the game. It was like my last college game. And I kept looking up, like worrying that, that something terrible had happened. And so um, I think that's a, uh, that's a really sad part of, a part of this. Um, but it supports what we're trying to do as, as a campus right now. And in the PAC, um, the presidents um, voted and, and, and came to that decision. So, so we'll support it. Um, it's really made us rethink, not rethink, but, but really focus on our presentation for streaming um, and, and trying to do as, as good of a job as we possibly can. And also uh, we're really working hard to expand our, our streaming to anytime we're playing a game on our campus, uh, you know, name a sport, we're going to try to have it broadcast somehow. Um, and most of our facilities are, are amenable to that. And there are a couple that we really are going to have to um, uh, to do some work to, to make it happen. But um, we want parents, especially and family members and, and friends that would typically come and support their 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 kids, but also other people's um, uh, children and friends. Um, let them uh, let them see it. So as far as the football attendance goes, we're hoping that things continue to trend positively over the next five weeks in Pennsylvania, uh, especially Western Pennsylvania. And then um, potentially we can get some of the state to state restrictions lifted um, and uh, have a little bit of a more open, uh, a little bit of a more open atmosphere. But as we've said, this only time will only time will tell. Uh, is it, uh, at the end of the day, spring football is going to kind of come down to uh, maybe a few prayers and, and having some faith that the you know, the processes and everything that's been put in place to try to make it happen will work out. And, haven't you guys won on a hail mary before, if I remember correctly, or uh, something? I'm like sure. That? I'm sure. I'm sure we. I'm sure we have. And and uh, what it's going to come down to is uh, just making sure that you don't practice your first string kids and your second string kids next to each other, so that you always have another one. <laughs> you always have yeah. somebody. You always have. I looked at Coach Dinonato and I said, "If you ever have your two quarterbacks practice at the same time, you're crazy." And he went, "What?" And I go, "Well, I go. That's I go. That's the quickest way to, like the Denver Broncos this year, or whatever it was. Like just, yeah. you know, it's every decision you make is a decision you've never made before, and you hope to never have to make it the same way. Like literally everything in all of our lives, not just sports, but. Um, well, Coach, well, anyway, like thank I, you guys. We're about to call your coach AD Todd Gibson. Yeah. Uh, send our best to Coach T, and also, as you said, the little things right now, the little steps we're taking are all important. We hope that uh, it does move forward for Grove City and for the rest of the schools that do have schedules out there. We know it won't be 100% intact. We just know it from watching basketball play out over the last month or so, but we're hopeful and uh, praying that it does work out for everybody involved. So thanks for joining us. Right. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Best to you. Okay, so Ty Gibson, again, thank you for uh, his time and uh, his insight and his dedication to getting football yeah. played in the spring at Grove City. And thanks to Coach DiDonato for uh, all of his time and help over the years as well. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on Grove City out there by Pittsburgh, uh, definitely. So then we go out to the Week 7 uh, slate of games, which is one that stretches from the 19th of March all the way to the 23rd of March. Uh, and in a weird way, because yeah. first you've got the 19th, which is a Friday. John Carroll at Mount Union. Huge game. Okay. Yeah. Nor any, any year would have national implications 
Coach Starts uh, going to have a very early start to his challenges yeah. in the OAC. Yeah. You can see now, yeah. uh, in week two-ish, basically. Yeah. Uh, then on the Saturday, uh, a whole slate of games. Uh, then a Sunday game currently, it looks like, uh, in the MIAA. Then a Monday and a Tuesday game. Hartwick at St. John Fisher and one, the, the, one of the two EA games that we're calling a game of the week, Alfred at Utica. Right. I mean, this is a very odd schedule, but it is, again, one of the meatiest weeks that we have right in the middle of this spring season yeah. of football. And, J.B., how do you keep track of this kind of stuff when it comes to it? We, we're used to a couple of games on a Friday and a whole slate of games on Saturday. Yeah. A week like this, we're going to have Friday games, Saturday games, a Sunday game, a Monday game, a Tuesday game. Yeah. Um, this is a lot. This is like what basketball goes through, I guess, every uh, year or every yeah, week. I never, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, it definitely is because it's going to be like just sort of sprinkled throughout this this uh, long weekend of four or five days, and it'll be interesting to see, um, especially you know, for most of the people who know us as East Region guys. We've, you know, this, these are only four teams out of seventy something from the East Region that are going to be able to play, and and so these are the games and. These are the teams, and they're these. You know, they've been around for a long time. Old rivalries, um, and so should be uh, should be exciting. Well, speaking of Utica, mm-hmm. they got this big game coming up, and we want to talk to a player now to find out their perspective on what spring football is and isn't in their mindset right now. Yeah. What it's going to prove or what it's not going to prove, I guess, is uh, one way to look at it. And Quasi Adu from Utica, we asked Coach Vaggiano. Who's a player that you think would be a good representative to talk about this? And he didn't even hesitate. Yeah. He said uh, Quasi is uh, well thought of on that campus and a, t- a true leader uh, for the team and the campus. And so we wanted to talk with him, and here he is. Quasi, thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I know this has been an interesting year for you, to say the least, uh, personally and as a member of a team of the Utica Pioneers. Uh, you know. Fearing the moose is great, but you, you really have to fear when the teams are on the field more than anything else. We haven't seen that in a while, but it will be happening soon in March, no less, uh, for, the, for the Empire 8. Thanks to, Again, thanks for joining us. And how excited are you about the fact that the Empire 8, or at least four of the schools, are going forward with a football schedule this spring? Um, I'm definitely really excited about it. I know all of our guys are, um, all of the coaches especially. And... It's a funny thing I kind of thought about the other day for a lot of a lot of us football players, um, you know, at the Division three levels and whoever else hasn't played this past fall. That was probably the first fall for a lot of kids in, you know, almost a decade that they didn't prepare for a football season or um, to play a football game at all. So, you know, it's a pretty big thing. And um, we're definitely excited that the, the Empire is, like, allowing us to do this and the other teams that are playing against us are uh, – you know, a part of that thing as well. So it's just an awesome thing to see happy, you know, with everything going on. So I'm definitely excited. Quasi, a lot of uh, the releases from the schools that we've seen, you know, in, in 2020 were saying how they would provide opportunities for athletes. And then, you know, obviously the 114 practice days. Um, what was it like for you, know, for you as a player to, to kind of go through uh, a fall sort of practice season uh, with no games really to be played, but now uh, as we're about 48 days away from from you kicking off and and playing uh, against Alfred at home, 
what how is those how are how are things starting to shift is it feeling more like a normal um football practice kind of schedule with the, you know get pads on etc walk us through what that's been like um so it's definitely been a very different experience you know um i will say it was really tough this fall you know we had um a bunch of situations where we would ha- we would practice and then we'd have to stop practicing and then we would practice again and then we would have to stop so it was kind of you know a lot of pump faking and uh you know a lot of getting your hopes up and not really being able to at least practice, you know, without um, the chance of even having games. So that was something that's tough, but um, it's, it's starting to come become more real. You know, our first practices is Thursday and everyone's getting back. I think the hardest aspect is just, it's so different, you know, being in my final year, um, going through the same kind of process every summer into the fall of like meeting the new teammates, saying farewell to the people that are graduating and leaving. Um, I think the hardest thing for me will be like, I haven't been able to connect with a lot of the first year students. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of them I've, I've probably never spoken to and a lot of them I don't know. So that'll definitely be a challenge, you know, football and COVID is a challenge in itself, but then you have all the things that intertwine and all the intangibles. So um, it's something we're definitely gonna gonna have to work on as these weeks, you know, come up. And but I have uh, I have no fear that we won't be able to get it done and figure things out as we do. So, Quasi, uh, you bring up an interesting point. A couple things from that I, I take. Uh, we are struggling with the idea of what do we call players: seniors, juniors, freshmen. Do we call them freshmen because they'll have four years of eligibility after this spring? even if they play spring ball. Uh, and so the other half of it is there are players that didn't come back uh, in the fall and the spring because they didn't want to pay for an extra semester or year of college, uh, wanting to retain their eligibility and have the full four-year experience, not necessarily knowing how this was going to play out at uh, certain points in time. How much of your team is going to be back in reality for Utica we call them opt-outs. How many players-ish, I guess, uh, opted out? And will it affect the Pioneers, the product that's put out on the field when it does come to game times? Um, I would say I don't know the exact number of opt-outs that we do have. Um, um, I would say probably anywhere between, you know, probably – 10, maybe 15 um, different athletes. And that's for various reasons, you know, um, football, college, all that is, you know, hard in itself. And obviously we're going through a worldwide pandemic and there's a lot of things that people have to take into account and um, figure out when it's coming to, um, you know, college and playing college football. Cause that's, you know, a big responsibility that you have to take on. But um, in my eyes, no, I don't think so. I don't think that we'll have, um, any problems when it comes to putting the, that product on the field because we have a, a really good coaching staff that prepares for things like this all the time. And, you know, we, we we still got players here. So as long as we, you know, have that 11 on the field at each time, we'll have a person that's ready to take on the responsibility, step up. And, you know, if we, if we may have um, an upperclassman that, you know, opted out or just somebody with a little more experience than someone else, well, I'm confident that we'll be able to get, you know, whoever's willing to step to the plate um that opportunity and they'll be able to do what we need them to do 
Well, Quasi, I know from having seen uh, some of the uh, Pioneers football broadcasts that you guys have that really nice uh, dome facility, which will certainly help in, in preparation when there's snow on the ground and it's 20 degrees or colder outside in, in the month of February. Um, you know, but for you, I mean, in 2019, first team All-Empire 8 uh, linebacker, you've had, I think, about 200 tackles in your career. Um, once the 2020 season was canceled, your your senior season probably felt like you know it, it might have been gone. You have the spring uh, season opportunity. Are you planning on using that extra year of eligibility and trying to play again in the fall, or is this are these three games you know your your sort of swan song, and then you're gonna you know go, go off and 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 take your degree and and, and run from there? Um. So when all this came into effect, I definitely um. It was something I definitely had to consider a lot, you know, between my teammates, um, my coaches, and then definitely my family. Um, and this past winter, I actually had a conversation with my dad. I was like the last person I wanted to speak to about it um, just to see where I was at in my head. But um, I'm definitely trying to play as much Utica College football as I want to. So uh, I'm definitely taking up that extra year of eligibility, and I will be returning in the fall uh, to play for that final season. I feel like we're breaking big news right there uh, in some way, shape, or form. And I feel like the folks Bad news for the rest of the empire, yeah, right? Exactly. Rockport <laughs> and Cortland are like, are you kidding me? Come on. We thought that oh, not yeah. playing, we wouldn't have to see him again. But uh, there are some people out there seeing you. Uh, Coach uh, Blaise Fagiano uh, gave us a little insight that uh, there are people at the next level taking a look at you because of those uh, audacious numbers uh, that you're uh, putting up in terms of tackles and your overall great gameplay and uh, the fact that you are a uh, linebacker that's sizing up no doubt right now uh, tell us about that possibility of the next step and how does maybe next year play a role in getting some more film for you that could help you maybe keep football alive for something beyond just college Right, so um, that was definitely one of the first things I encountered because um, those people that were planning to come um, and see me, uh, they right it actually happened right before COVID hit, and um, it was kind of a rough spring because I had so many things lined up between um, my major and my internship, and then that opportunity as well. So um, that's definitely been something that I've been dreaming about for my entire life. Um, I kind of started playing um, football. A lot later than most most players. I used to play uh, I used to play soccer, and then once I hit high school, that's when I actually first started playing football. But since then, I've I've had my foot on the wheel, and I've, I've definitely wanted to take myself to the next level. So when that opportunity came, um, it was kind of surreal, and it was something you know when COVID nineteen hit and I lost my senior season, it was something I really want to consider and think about. So um, that plays a big um, effect into me coming back because, um, you know, of course I want to have more film for, uh, you know, those teams that are looking at me to see. And, you know, hopefully that helps me in my aspect being able to, you know, play these three games and then the extra at least 10 games in the fall. I've got to ask this question, JB, because uh, I don't think you're allowed to ask it anymore. But at the top of the show, uh, you may not know this because we're recording this separated from it. But uh, our cold open is with Ali Marpet, a Division Three player from Hobart, who uh, made it uh, to the Super Bowl uh, this coming Sunday. I mean, what is seeing a guy like him 
succeed or the Matt Gonos out there or the Ben Barches or even the where Quinn Miners looks like he's going right now after after senior bowl but especially Ali Marpet and his story what does that say to a guy that went to Shaker High School uh, in my home area in upstate New York uh, and uh, you know didn't necessarily think that Division three was a pathway to possible pro football what have you learned by watching this as uh, this has played out? Um, I've definitely, I've definitely learned a lot. And Ali Marpet is one athlete that um, I really appreciate because he gives a lot of us hope. Um, there's, you know, this big misconception that um, Division three football is not really all that, and you know, it'll take a lot for those athletes to get to the next level, which uh, it definitely does. You know, um, just looking at our competition and. Um, we're not put on, you know, that pedestal that, you know, players in the higher divisions are. So we just have to work that much harder. But I've always believed if you have a dream and you have a goal, um, you will always be able to achieve it no matter where you're at. So he definitely plays a big part of it. And all those guys that you name, you know, coming from smaller schools and being able to succeed in, in the big leagues, that, that gives all, you know, all the athletes like me a lot of hope. So have a lot of respect. Well, I know one of the things Ali says that you know you, you, you got to have at least you know the measurables. And if I'm if I'm looking at this correctly, at this uh, this handsome young man on the uh, on the Unica roster, five ten two thirty. I'd say the measurables are there, Frank. That's uh, wait wait that's wait. A big body two, there. Hold, hold in, on, hold on. I, I'm calling a timeout. Uh, I don't think it's two thirty anymore. I, I I have inside information that says it's a little bit more than two thirty. What are we looking at right now? Um. So. You know, over the winter, I always get a little beefier, and I, my weight fluctuates <laughs> a lot. You know, my the club. So, you know, I'm not going to fully disclose, you know, where I'm at right now, but we'll say 230, you know, is a good number. Like, that's where, that's where, um, that's the highest I'll play at during the season. I'll try to be, you know, between 220 and 230 if I can be at that weight during during the season, just endurance-wise. Um, 220, 230 of pure muscle is the, the thing, though. Yeah, so... That, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah. 220, 230 pure muscle is like, oh, my God, double what I may even possess, maybe even triple. Are you kidding me? Hey, but JB, I, I know that Ali Marpet has a standing policy uh, with uh, Division three players that have serious looks from the pros to talk to them. Uh, and we'll be happy to, let's say, after the spring season and see how things materialize a little bit here, Quasi, to put you in touch with him once things calm down in his life as well. Uh, to uh, give you a little insight about what's what could be next uh, for you. So we, we hope everything goes well. Are there any nerves generally? We've, we've talked to some coaches about this. Are there any nerves about, wow, you know, this uh, spring season is so close to the real fall season as uh, we kind of look at it as, and, you know, do I really want to risk injury or, you know, problems uh, that could come from the proximity of these two seasons uh, being so close to each other? Does that play a role in your thought process at all when you were going through the do I or don't I do this uh, in the spring or come back in the fall? Walk us through what you're hearing from other players, too, in that respect. Um, so that was definitely throughout my team um, as a whole. Uh, a concern of, you know, playing in the spring and then turning over, getting right into the summer and preparing for the fall. Um, and I think that's just, you know, how you perceive you'll be able to perform. I, uh, I've i been, you know, 
a, a student athlete and athlete um, the majority of my life. And, you know, injury is definitely a thing um, and that you have to consider. And it's definitely something that, you know, the more you play, the more uh, risk you have of, of having an injury. But uh, I also believe, like, anything may happen and you want to be able to do as much as you can in the time you have it to. So, um, you know, it's definitely something to look at. It's, some, it's definitely something that, you know, goes through your mind all the time. Like I, I am taking a bris, big risk, but it's also like time is the only thing in this world that we can't get back. So, you know, taking that time off and, you know, something may, might happening without you even uh, taking the opportunity to play those three games could, you know, um, change everything for you. You might not be able to do anything that you wanted to do um, in that time. So for me, I, I, you know, I've really, I've considered that as well. I did, I haven't really thought about, you know, not playing just to preserve, preserve my body or anything like that. And I think a lot of my teammates can attest to that too. They're, they're pretty much on the same mindset. So, you know, we have a great coaching staff, great strength and conditioning. We got good programs, you know, that'll keep us, you know, in shape and then we'll have us in a position to recover as we're going into the summer and uh, going into that fall season. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but. Uh, more, more than answered it and we appreciate the insight. Uh, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, JB, we were talking to uh, Coach Fagiano uh, yesterday about Quasi and it was like, you know, giving us all these accolades about how great a representative of Utica College he is, uh, this and that. And I'm like, yeah, we've heard this song before from coaches. And my, uh, he, better than advertised is what I would call it right now. JB, I know you've got the last Absolutely. segment here, so go right ahead. Well, one of the things, uh, I guess, before before we try to wrap this up, Quasi, I mean, it'll be interesting to see in this in this short little empire eight round robin because they're they're one of the teams um of this group of four has the potential to go three and oh and effectively be the you know the 2021 beast of the east uh you are in a very lucky position that out of the 70 or so east region teams as, that they're out there that you are on one of the only four that are actually going to give spring football a try so um, congratulations. I think that's, it says a lot about your, your, your school and program, uh, coaching staff, administration, et cetera, that they're giving you that opportunity because unfortunately the reality is, is that there's probably six to 800, uh, student athletes in, in this region that would love to be in your shoes. So, um, we wish you guys uh, up in Utica all the best. You may be visited by somebody, um, in, in a couple of weeks to, on the sidelines, watch out for the, the, that masked man. But um, to wrap things up, Quasi, we have a tradition on our show that we like to give the student athletes who appear the opportunity to give shout outs to any friends, family, teammates, uh, college, high school, you know, whatever, whatever the floor is yours and, and we'll turn it over to you. So thank you again for joining us and here's uh, your, your chance for a shout out. Uh, well, first off, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, definitely appreciate and enjoy this opportunity. Uh, I first obviously like to shout out my whole family back home in Albany. Uh, also would like to shout out Shaker High, all my boys, alumni, and coaches and current student athletes right now. And here at Utica College, I would like to shout out Grandview Avenue, the best off off <laughs> student off campus student housing that we have here. So. Shaker is uh, special to me. I've got friends uh, that went there uh, and uh, know it well, like I said earlier. And shout out to Shaker as well. 
no shout out to Shenandoah, I guess, or any of the other uh, big uh, competitors uh, that you would face along the way. But I uh, can't blame you for that. But uh, Quasi, as JB said, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we're wishing you all the best in a multitude of facets, including spring season, fall season next year, and the looks that you may get. And stay in touch with us. We'll get you in touch uh, with uh, Ali after this spring if uh, things are going in that direction for you, okay? Yep. Uh, thank you guys so much again for the opportunity. Um, this was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you, you too. so much. So week seven, uh, you know, with that capping it essentially, that Alfred Utica game, it's just it's going to be a very different special week. I I hope to get out there like I keep yeah. joking about the Utica Greens, but I mean, Riggies or uh, chicken Riggies, yeah, yeah. chicken Riggies, <laughs> love those too. I, I I'm going to get fat in this uh, spring football season if we're going to uh, base it on food, that's for sure. But uh, give me your insight here. The Empire with Empire Eight with only four teams. Does it seem like it's something they should even be going through, and or do you think they should have waited for the Sunnis? I mean, I think um, just based on what I have seen as far as like the the rates and kind of the current situation in in these more rural towns in upstate New York, I think um, I think that. They're probably in, in about as good as position to play. I mean, unfortunately, the Sunnis are, are somewhat, you know, just at a disadvantage just given their status. Um, I, I, I guarantee you that all the guys at Morrisville and Brockport and Cortland, they all want to play. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of the one, it's a slight advantage of the private institution that has, you know, the, the ability to supersede certain things. And, um, you know, I give them credit for you know giving a go at it i mean like you said this would be around week seven so in theory about half this is the halfway point of what will be this spring d3 season and if all these games happen and all this you know goes on without too much issue or to do or infection and so on and so forth i think it'll be a huge win and it'll be great um great opportunity for the the student athletes at utica at hartwick at st john fisher and, um, and uh, just to, to have these uh, you know, opportunities to play. And Alfred, obviously, too. Yeah. Well, then week eight, more opportunities come because the UMAC, the uh, NAC, and the ARC American all Rivers. join yeah. the fray. So you've got a rich Friday night uh, slate of games yep. and then a rich Saturday slate of games, including our game of the week, Randolph-Macon at Hampton-Sydney. Yep. Pretty big game there. Long-time rivalry. Yeah. Absolutely. The hyphen game, as I call it. Keithel-McMillan, uh, K-Mac will be tuning in for that one, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely will. And the other game of the week is another Utica game, actually. Yeah. Utica at Hartwick to see a uh, Hartwick hosting game uh, on that hill that, in the wintertime. That game time. might be like 65 to 70 or something. It's going to be a lot of points. Or maybe a snowball, too. Yeah. I mean, March in that area in New York can still snow, yeah. uh, like the Dickens. So we'll okay. see what happens <laughs> with that. But then uh, week nine, we have the ODAC playoffs Okay. on that Friday night. And then we have, as well... A bunch of games on that Saturday from no new conferences. No, nothing's being added on to it, but just Franklin and Rose Holman, a decent game, uh, obviously. Uh, that uh, ARC group, uh, the Wartburg uh, Dubuque situation, assuming Wartburg plays, 
uh, could be interesting. Yeah. It could be a high-scoring affair. Uh, some quality overall football that's listed uh, here. Mm -hmm. And again, another Utica game. This time Utica at St. John Fisher yeah. is uh, the highlight game. Uh, we're not trying to say Utica is the strongest team of the Empire 8, but it seems like their chain of games is something that we, we are really interested to watch is compare mm -hmm. week to week on yeah. how they're doing. So there's that on that Monday, I believe that is, yeah. the 5th of April. Going to, I believe this is week number 10, Carnegie Mellon and Washington Jefferson. That's a solid game. It is a solid game on a Friday night. Uh, 7 p.m. is the scheduled time currently for that. I mean, on a weekend where you have Ohio Northern, Heidelberg, which could be decent, yeah. and Otterbein, Capital, and, you know, these Mount Union, Baldwin, Wallace game is the quality game. Carnegie Mellon, Washington, Jefferson is just one of those pack games that every year is close. Yep. And determines a lot in that conference, ultimately. Yeah. And then also the NAC playoff bracket semis, which they are the only conference as of right now that's using a semifinal and final yeah. format. Yeah, that's cool. So a little bit of deviation there as well. Yep. Uh, then we go to the next week, which I believe is week 11, and it's the OAC crossover games on the Friday night. Yep. And then uh, as well, we have the NAC playoff bracket finals yeah, this is kind of what i'll call the sort of the like the the grand finale because after this weekend there's like just a couple of games trickles sort of trickles at the at the tail end of the season so there'll be some of these you know exciting um you know kind of conference championships matchups but then we'll have you know like four more games left over the next final three weeks well uh, the pack goes into it's uh to be decided mode, we'll call it on the 23rd okay, well, of April, which is week 12. Yeah. Uh, so that Friday night slate, which we we think is going to be a full crossover based yeah. on what Ty Gibson was telling us, uh, but also you have the uh, MIA and the UMAC still uh, in action on that yeah. Saturday. Then it's just the UMAC on week 13 and 14. Yeah, so really that pack that pack sort of championship weekend is is really sort of the the last hurrah. I mean, I, some of these games you know look competitive. I mean. Um, but as far as the sort of championship style, I think that's pack one is how, you, how we wrap it up. May 8th and then turn it around to have to play again in like September, maybe first-ish. Uh, yeah. I mean, think of the short turnaround time you're experiencing there. Now, yeah. are, are these all the games that are going to be scheduled? No. The uh, Midwest Conference, the NWC, MWC that is, um, with uh, teams like Lake Forest, for instance, mm -hmm. our friend Jim yep. Catanzaro, they're they are planning to play. Doing, they're going to do something. Yep, they just don't have a full knowledge yeah. of what that schedule is as of the recording of this show. Yep. But then there's also teams like in the CCC where it's a conference that basically said we're not going to sponsor it ourselves mm -hmm. uh, in terms of a full conference slate. We're not going to have a playoff, for instance, uh, scenario, but our schools are free to schedule amongst themselves or outside the conference. Go fishing. And that left the school like Salve Regina saying, we want to play, but we have challenges in the process of this, such as COVID travel restrictions. Yeah. They are the only football school in Rhode Island. Uh, you know, I, Kevin Goldmartin says in our interview, coming up in a second here, that they're the only uh, D3 school in Rhode Island. I'm thinking to myself, Johnson & Wales just called and said uh, they want their money back. Yeah, football school. Yeah, <laughs> and a couple others. But uh, he, his point is all based on football, and it's true. Yeah. They are the only football school in Rhode Island for Division Three, And so 
the travel restrictions work both ways, coming in and leaving the state. So how does it work? Mm-hmm. Can they get games? What's his own feeling about it? What, what, are you, what are you going to use this spring schedule to do exactly with your team? Is it just for uh, shiggles, as they uh, <laughs> say? <laughs> or is it going to be something you're going to seriously compete in, in terms of games? Now, you would expect a coach to say seriously compete yeah. all the time, but sure. he gives a pretty good indication of what it all means, and here it is. So here's somebody that I, I have a funny feeling is going to be, uh, you know, turning the tables on us a little bit on this interview here. Uh, Coach Kevin Gilmartin of Salve Regina. I, I was out there one time when Salve Regina beat Union College on a last second field goal from about 45 yards out. It's still on YouTube to this day, folks. So go and look at that or listen to that one. But Coach Gilmartin, thanks for joining us. And hey, um, spring football. Is it going to be Salve Regina playing or not? Give us some info here. Uh, well, I'll get I'll get into that. But before uh, before I get into that, I like you said, I got to turn the tables on you guys real quick. So uh, you know, I've been watching you guys for a while, listening to you for a while. First off, I want to thank you for uh, what you guys do for D three football. I love that. But you know, every week I was sitting there waiting for a phone call. Coach, would you like to be on the show? And never getting that phone call. You know. I mean, I even went down to Verizon, asked him if my phone was working, you know, because you guys, I felt something was wrong, but I asked him, is there, you know, do these guys have me blocked or something like that? And then, nope, nope, nope. So, uh, you know, and now you guys finally bring me on the show when we haven't had a game in 400 days. Uh, that's when you bring me on, you know? So Co- I really want to thank you Coach, can, can, can you hear me now? <laughs> 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 okay, folks, so that was Coach Kevin Go Martin, and that was the quickest interview we've ever had here. I'm in the huddle. Nah, Coach, I'm sorry. We're just kidding with you. But uh, listen, uh, we, we love you. We love Salary Regina, and it, it would be great to see you guys play. I want to go out there to Newport and uh, see some football. It's tough getting into and out of Rhode Island, though. Uh, the uh, prior administration in Rhode Island it has made uh, things tough for obvious reasons with COVID. And you're feeling some of that pinch, obviously, with the CCC sort of saying we're not going to do an official conference schedule. Right. Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to clear that up, uh, the CCC presidents met and they discussed it and they said that uh, we won't have a conference championship in the spring, uh, which is fine. But they'll give us the opportunity to play, uh, to play games with whoever we want to play. Uh, unfortunately, with us, since we're the only Division three school in the state of Rhode Island, now we have issues where you have to play, you know, outside of the borders. Uh, you know, there's plenty of other schools in the state of Massachusetts or, you know, in other states where they can play within the state, but we don't have anyone else that's uh, within the state. We, we've talked to uh, a couple of schools, you know, that are within an hour from us that, uh, you know, would be an easy drive, you know, you know, play a great game. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be at risk for the drivers as much because it's an easy down and back for everybody. But, um, you know, you're worried about the uh, the protocols regarding the, the governors. The governors have to approve if we go from state to state. And that's the uh, that's the scary part right now is that we need to get approvals for every game that we're going forward with. You know, I mean, so it's kind of a wait and see. And that's the part that's frustrating for me. But, you know, I mean, you can't be frustrated. That's what it is. You You find it, you find the problems, and then you move forward. And that's what we're going through right now, trying to move forward and figuring it out. We're hoping, you know, that everything cleans up a little bit more. It seems to be 
easing a little bit, but you don't know. And so hopefully uh, in another week or two, there'll be less and less restrictions and then it just keeps getting better. And then hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be playing games in the spring. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, have any of these um, communications from the from the, the presidents of the of the conference or even Salve in particular with respect to maybe winter and other sports? I mean, testing is is a big um, hurdle to clear. It's expensive, especially when you're talking yep. about the size of a football roster. Has there been conversations at Salve around that? Is room in the budget? Is there going to need to be some fundraising or, or something to, to help out? I mean, where, where are you guys at that right now? Yeah, right now with the testing is we test the, uh, we test the students uh, randomly. So we're not testing every student every week or, or biweekly or anything like that, but they are cranking it up a notch when as the students came back, everybody's getting tested and now they're testing everybody every other week. Uh, but they said, you know, if with athletics, you know, if, if we start having games and going forward, they will come up with a way to figure out to get the extra testing for the, uh, for the athletes. Now, I think the money issue is is one thing, but I think we'll be able to get, get over that hurdle, whether it's within the school or the athletic department or fundraising. But sometimes it might also be the question of, uh, you know, tests within the state of Rhode Island, too. So, uh, you know, that's the next part of the hurdle that that they're working on, that there's, you know, tons of people asking the questions, but uh, we're hoping to get some answers. Coach, there's a lot of question out there as to how many people really support a spring season, even players wise. We're not hearing necessarily the same amount of exuberance that we thought we would necessarily on Twitter, especially from players about, you know, letting them play in the spring like we heard in the fall, uh, possibly. And for coaches, we've been hearing a lot of different takes on what this spring season looks like, means, et cetera. Do you put out your top players and risk injury so close to the 2021 probable season, we'll call it at this point, the uh, normal fall? Uh, do you use this as something else? What would you use three or four games, let's say, against Division Three competitors to do with respect to your team and maturation or anything else that you have used for in these situations? I, you know, I don't know if you guys know my personality at all, but uh, I'm 100% a competitor. And so, uh, you know, I've always said if you if you want to play me on a turf field, a grass field, I'll go out and play. You know, it doesn't matter if you, if you say, hey, let's go play in a parking lot. I want to compete and I'll I'll play and I'll I'll play to win. You know, I think that's the that's the beautiful thing about that. So, um, you know, there's always the there's always the plan of how you're going to develop your team. But I think you do that in practices. But when it's game time, you get the best players out there and you go to work and you try to win. Because I think that's what that's what everybody's playing for. They want the wins, you know. And so, uh, you know, if this is gonna if it's gonna be a game, let's go play and win. And and you said uh, against Division three teams, but you know, I don't care if it's a one double A Division two, you know, we'll play them too. So, uh, you yeah, know, so I, whatever it takes. I guess you could play. Uh, you could you could just drive down the street to URI, right? And, and absolutely, you know, they have, a, they have a full schedule, but uh, you know, maybe maybe one of their games gets COVID knocked out, you know. <laughs> well, we've seen it in basketball. We've seen literally on uh, a Thursday a game get canceled and on a Friday a Saturday game get scheduled, basically, that was not previously in there. And the conferences right. are working to help with that generally, but schools can do it individually as well. So it is not unheard of in this whole situation. JB? Well, Coach, you know, in the glass half full kind of mindset, how much time would, would your program realistically need, let's say, if um, middle of February the the conference says okay, or or 
you know, your AD or in president say, you know what, we look like we have, a, you know, three or four games scheduled here that we can pull together in for a spring season. Would you need a couple of weeks? Would you need a month of prep? Like what's, especially, you know, I mean, I know you guys are getting hit with like what, two feet of snow tonight and <laughs> that could happen and that could happen in a couple of weeks too. It makes things a little more challenging, but what's, what's kind of the ramp up time that, that would be required to, to realistically have a, a, you know, real competitive uh, spring yeah. season? Usually, you know, going into camp at the start of the fall, you have about three and a half weeks to get ready for a game. So that I would say that would be the maximum that you would need is three and a half weeks. But at the same time, um, you know, we've ha we had the fall where we installed the playbook and everything. So they know that uh, the other thing is because of, uh, you know, NCAA rules right now is that you're allowed to have practices, you know, before, you know, you're allowed 114 practices in the school year. And we're we're way below that. So we have no problem being able to catch practices. And so we could do like walkthroughs in the gymnasium, you know, in another couple of weeks, once the students are all back. And I mean, we're, everybody's tested and we're good to go. And so uh, we'll get started where we can start, you know, having meetings with the players and, uh, you know, do some walkthroughs so that they're good to go. But then once, you know, we get the go ahead, we better make sure that they're in shape more than anything. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm worried about to make sure that they're in football shape. I mean, you look at how the NFL started this year, there was a lot of injuries early in the in the season because the guys weren't ready. So uh, I actually had a had a team meeting uh, about an hour ago, and uh, we were, I was talking about the players to, hey, make sure we're out there running, you know, and maybe if you can't run today because there's 20 inches of snow, you know, go do some treadmill or something else. Get Make sure we're running. <laughs> Jimmy, so make sure they get, they get the snowshoes out while we're uh, muted back here. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> seriously, something along those lines. Uh, sure. Coach, we were actually talking to our friend uh, Blaze Faggiano over at Utica College, and he brings up the 114-day question a little bit. So mm -hmm. let, let's actually ask you, is that a permanent installation you'd like to see for future years to stay in play? That basically 114 uh, days of uh, some sort of practice or team activity allowed throughout the year? Is that going to be the new norm you're going to push for as well? I would love that. I think it was actually great in the fact that uh, you can plan a lot more. You don't feel like uh, you're under the gun of spring ball where you only have, you know, 30 days to get these practices done with. And so the players during those, you know, 16 practices in 30 days, you know, they're they're trying to get classes and everything done at that point in time because it's spread out with 114. It's actually easier for the student athletes, you know. And then the other great thing is, you know, we're able to plan a lot more. And, you know, if you have a meeting on a Tuesday and a meeting on a Saturday. It's good for the players where, you know, it keeps them engaged. And at the same time, uh, you know, this fall, when we practice, we practice from September till the first week of, um, or the week before Thanksgiving, we didn't have one positive test uh, within the football team because the players took care of one another. They wanted to make sure they weren't out doing anything stupid where they were gonna get picked up with the COVID test. So it was a great, you know, overhang for them that kept them responsible. You know, and so if the 114 days is there, it makes them better. You know, they'll be better students during the school year. I was a better student. I played two sports in college. I was a better student during the season than I was in the off season. And so if you have the opportunity of, you know, the season just continues, they'll be able, they'll be better students, I think, in the long run. You soaked up being the big uh, jock BMOC during the off seasons. We get it. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, more free time and more things to do something stupid. 
Yep. Yeah, well, that, and that, that and, but going back to what you were saying before, Coach, I think is a message that somehow has gotten lost in, in the shuffle. Everyone saying, you know, well, you know, playing would be bad because it puts people at potential risk. But the reality, it seems, especially with college athletes, student athletes at the D3 level, uh, the structure and, and the sort of, you know, self-containment that a, a team and a season provides is, is actually the safest environment um, to be mm-hmm. in. So it's kind of counter to what you hear in some of the media and other arguments. Um, you know, that's that said, do you, do you have a sense? I mean, obviously at some point, you know, Saturday goes on summer break, so you're probably not going to be playing games in, in June. But, I mean, what would realistically would be a, a good time frame for you guys? Something like late March to to April or early May, something like yeah. that, that that works with your academic calendar. And and since I grew up in New England, it gets gets you a little more into that spring weather and a little bit out of right. you know, the nor'easter that you guys have tonight. Right. Well, we, well, normally we start spring ball at the end of March and it goes to the end of April. And uh, when we start at the end of March, you know, the weather is a little cold and it's a, it's a little cold out there and practice is a little tougher. By the end of April, the weather's beautiful, you know, and we're we're in shorts and we're in love. We actually always have one practice where we're out on the beach for a practice and it's, it's awesome. It's a great time. So to be able to have a game at the end of April will be outstanding. So that would be my hope is that we play the games in April, you know, and the first ones would be in the beginning. It might be a little colder, but then as we get towards the end, you know, it should be, should be beautiful out there. But you know, if all of a sudden things open up and we could play in March and, and then you could you could have a full two weeks in between and space it out and make sure all the protocols are aligned and everything, then you go ahead and do that. So, uh, you know, we'll play cold weather games. We'll play, we'd prefer to play warm games, you know, then afterwards we can go celebrate at the beach, you know, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We have to get that run game together, get uh, Joey Moriello uh, paging uh, uh, him right now uh, to uh, get over there and get his uh, run game together. A great running back that you've had. Uh, how many players have opted out, though? I, let me ask you that. With respect to spring, and they took maybe the whole year off, uh, for instance, fall and spring, to maybe save a year of eligibility because of the questions that were out there and everything else. Or they, they didn't want to buy another semester of college uh, to do a four years of eligibility scenario. How many players have opted out? Uh, we had four guys that didn't come back for the fall that said, I'm just going to take the year off. Uh, two of them did it uh, saying, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get a full-time job because it'll be better off than, you know, half a foot in for classes and that because they weren't sure how it would go. But but we had, a, you know, the classes were all in, the, in, in session and everything. So, so we had basically, you know, out of 125 guys, you know, we only had four that, you know, opted out. So, so that was pretty good. And then, you know, for the seniors coming back, they're all making decisions for the seniors currently. Decisions, you know, to play the next year or, you know, a lot of them have a full-time job offers right now. And so, uh, so that's the biggest question is what are they going to do? So they're all debating that right now as they're going forward. That seems to be a universal question that we're hearing from a lot of different teams out there uh, and students about you know, what, do you take the job? Do you come back, et cetera? And uh, you know what? It's a uh, guy, a professional guy, and a professional guy here. Plaza, yeah, so, somewhat. <laughs> take the job, guys. I, I mean, if it's out there and there's a salary attached to it, I know Coach may uh, not like hearing that, but take the job, guys. Uh, you know, football, Division three football is great and all, but you got to take the sure thing at a certain point in life, and you can always go back and watch your uh, brethren play and go and help and coach uh, the game of football later on. That's just sorry about two cents. No, I was Go gonna on. say that's what a, that's what a lot of them are saying is you know like do I can't pass up the job 
but if I can get the company to defer it, you know, that's the way they're trying to work it with everything. Because because my statement to them is, you can have a job for the rest of your life. You can only play college football for that much longer. So, you know, yeah, but at the same so time, true. you know, I'm going to do what's best for them. And I'm going to, I'm going to encourage them to do what's best for them at the same time too, because, you know, I love these guys and I want them to go out and be successful for the rest of their lives. And so if they have to take the job, take the job, don't pass it up. Well, they need the best of both worlds, like you're suggesting. That's even better. That's the perfect scenario <laughs> for them. So, okay, you've had your in the huddle experience. Was it everything you dreamed it would be, and then some? And then some. You know, at the same time, I get to I get to look at the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, you know, hat going on and everything. You know, Francis Spencer, one of our grads, uh, works for Tampa Bay Bucks right now. I know you're a big uh, Ali uh, supporter since uh, you guys are same alma mater and everything. But uh, you know, go Bucks this weekend. That's pretty exciting, right? Back in our, you know, just down here in Tampa, it's it's kind of crazy how how it panned out. Uh, we we chatted with Ali earlier. He's he's excited. He's he's focused, and um, I think it's going to be a great game. Well, yeah, by waiting to have you on, you're on the same show as an NFL part, uh, Super Bowl part participant. He said yeah, uh, this coming Sunday. So there you go. I mean, we held you for the best possible show, and you don't even appreciate it. I mean, what kind of respect <laughs> is that, man? So. Uh, the next time I come on the show, is that going to be the next time you have an NFL person on as well? Is that what I have to Never wait know. for again? Or? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we got to get some games. We got to get you, get you guys playing. Let's play a little. Uh, let's see if I can. Let's see if my New England geography is still any good. You know, I, I haven't lived out there for many decades, but let's see. So Newport, Rhode Island, you could guys could drive to, let's say, UMass Dartmouth, right? They're pretty Within close by. Yep. So that would be a great game. Uh, they, their quarterback, uh, Stephen Gatehawk, is. Uh, he left though. No, he came back. Did he come back? He came back. Yep. So mm-hmm. I mean, him. That, would be, that would be that would be exciting. That would be a Gatehawk was his name. Gatehawk. Yep. Yeah, that, that could be a good one. Uh, there's also the um, isn't there the the uh, Mass- SUNY Mass Maritime the the other Mass Buccaneers. Maritime, you know, right in the Cape. It's not far away. You know, I yep. mean, you go to Coast Guard is really not that far away either, you know. And yeah, then New London's not go, too far. You go through the state to Dean, you know, up at Franklin, it's not that far either. I mean, they're all under like an hour and 20, every one of them. So, I mean, close games where you can easily make. Yeah, so even Worc- yeah, Worcester's not that far. Even Worcester's not that far from you guys. Hour either, and 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Maritime would be a great idea if um, somebody didn't kill their program in the meantime. But that's all another story for another show. Well, they shot somebody with a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was just a bad year for that program. Uh, but uh, we miss them. But we, we miss all of our teams right now. Yeah. Coach, good luck in getting back on the field so we can go cover you. Uh, maybe I'll take a little ride out there, like I said. Yeah. And uh, good luck, Salve Regina, uh, and the rest of the CCC. Uh, you know, good luck on getting on the field, period, and stay healthy no matter what happens here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, fellas. And like I said, I know I made fun of it too at the same time, but uh, I do truly appreciate everything you guys are doing. I think you guys do a great job and I enjoy watching you guys. So so keep it up and have fun doing it. Thank you, sir. Well, we will keep on having some fun, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it. Okay, JB. So I guess the question is, uh, we, we did a championship scenario uh, mm-hmm. or a national champion poll with the fall, and it yeah. was a very well-subscribed-to scenario. I mean, do you believe in the idea of having a poll related to these games, these teams playing? How, do, how would you approach maybe trying to name a champion in a situation like this 
for the spring 2021 season or would you at all or what what do you think is going to come of all this stuff right here well i mean i i think you know given that there's 13 conferences maybe 14 depending on what lake forest and others decide to do we know that the mascac has sort of said that maybe they'll change their mind on certain things and anyway but at the end of the day there will probably be out of this grouping of teams it's just 10 undefeated i think it's high uh, maybe Eight, even less yeah seven. Because the ones so, that have the crossovers, you got to assume, are going to uh, end up with one or zero, depending yeah. on what happens. So I would think, you know, and you're, you're a top 25 voter and have been for a long time. Like, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you have this, this handful of undefeated teams, you know, can look at some of the statistics, you know, the average points scored, and, you know, you can just sort of do the, you know, the proverbial... Um, you know the the smell test or something like that, where you can kind of say like, you know what, the this kind of Mary Harden Baylor team would probably beat, you know, this conference champion from here. Um, this Mountain Union team you know, could maybe beat you know, this this team from North Carolina or Tennessee or Virginia or whatever. Um, and we you know we probably will subscribe to certain long term biases because there has been basically like three or four kind of behemoth programs in Division Three over the past several decades. and so. But that, a team like North Central not playing hurts yeah. things here because yeah. your defending national champion is not going to be in the mix. Nope. And we'll see, you know, should we include them in a poll? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, mean... Not it, without any data to really support I, it. That's, Can you really... Our friends at D3 Hoops are going to throw out teams not playing games. In fact, yeah. they're not including teams that have played zero games so far, even if they've scheduled games, and then we'll add them as need be. It's interesting to see what our own approach to evaluating these teams will be. Uh, and it's not to like create some kind of pseudo-champion scenario. It is basically to honor and respect the teams out there and the players out there that have made the sacrifice to go forward with this mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, people thought our Bluffton, Trine, and uh, Merchant Marine uh, three-headed national champion situation was some kind of, you know, prank or joke. PR stunt. Yeah, but honestly, it was, we asked it legitimately out there, and yeah, we gave our own two cents that they should all be considered champions yeah. based on what happened in the fall. and should be recognized as such when history looks at what's happened here. I mean, th that's the whole thing. And these games are still going to count. They're going to go yeah. down in history as being logged. This is an official NCAA game, so yep. treat them with that. You know, but it's a little different too because, like, I think the the amount of um, of hurdles and challenges and and kind of risk management that these kind of games require makes them that much more special, especially given the fact that you know there probably are there are going to be some you know seniors um, playing their last ever football games. <laughs> Um, of their of their lives and in this spring and without their schools and conferences facilitating it they they you know they would have played their last game uh, geez what like 400 days ago so I want to say a couple of last things here uh, first um, our friend Dan Dutcher who uh, has been a, a good friend of division three as the vice president of division division three took an early retirement from the NCAA and uh, finally uh, ended his tenure just recently um, gave some great speeches, and uh, he will be missed and promised he'd be going to the convention on the, quote, other side of the ropes as uh, part of his uh, exit speech. Mm -hmm. um, 
and Dan knows I appreciate uh, him and the time he's given uh, me and uh, my colleagues at D3 Football and D3 Hoops over the years. So what's next for us here? How, how are we going to handle spring football, you may be wondering, and here's uh, your answer. Uh, we discussed it ourselves today in our little uh, jam session we had in your kitchen. Yes. Um, all these games, uh, there's not necessarily enough games to have a weekly show, I don't think, but there are enough games to have at least a show every two to three weeks, depending on what part of the season we're in. And also some pregame and postgame coverage like we did for the Merchant Marine game uh, in special circumstances. So we're going to be employing all that. We're going to do crunch time uh, to get you highlights and scoreboards uh, every couple weeks, get some interviews along the way as well, and package you some shows in the spring. While we may not understand it to be all, you know, truly the epitome of college football, what's going to happen here over the next mm -hmm. few months, because we won't see the entire slate of players at every school, though Salve Regina only had four opt-outs. Other schools have had more. We know that for a fact. But that said, it's still competition. It still matters to you. It still matters to us. And as you said, it, the records matter in terms of the yeah, stats and everything else. So we're going to cover it. And not grudgingly, it's going to be enthusiastically, just like it would be in the fall. Yep. Because we're going to learn a lot about these teams. We're going to hear names that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise heard for very good reasons. Yeah. And it's time to promote those players as much as we would if it's a Mary Harden-Baylor player or a Mount Union player or a Brockport player, whoever. They're going to get their uh, place in the sun here yep. and with good reason. So stay tuned. We've got a lot of that coming up. Again, thanks to Ali Marpet and good luck to the Bucks uh, this weekend. Uh, good luck to him especially. Yep. Even if you're not for the Bucks, root for him and his continued success. Quinn Miners, uh, who had a great senior bowl. Congratulations to him, and we'll see where things land for him. Yep. And we'll talk about the draft in future shows and what it all means uh, as well, I'm sure. And uh, thank you for uh, watching this uh, longish episode, but it's been a little while since you've seen us. And uh, we wanted to catch up on spring football, as we know it, coming up here in the next few months. Yeah. So see you soon, folks, here on In the Huddle.